When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. towards the finish line <laughs> for the first season we're slouching toward newport <laughs> it's i'm not gonna say this episode was a home run it was it wasn't the worst oh, no. episode i've ever watched but i watched it maybe six hours ago and i'm really gonna have to lean on my notes for reminding me what what major plot points there were in this because all i really remember is that Teresa got hit by Eddie. Like that's pretty much that's pretty much yeah. all the plot development is for 45 minutes. They you know they were so subtle about it too, Matt. Oh like, yes, I don't, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you picked that up uh on first watch because yeah. they were just so <laughs> subtle about this giant black eye that Teresa has, for goodness sake. Yeah, no. It's so I mean again, we I always love asking these questions. Where where would this rank in your general like when you were was there ever a point where you were like, "Ooh. <laughs> oh boy, The Shower, one of my favorite episodes of The OC when you were doing a rewatch or No, hell no. Fuck this episode. Like this episode fulfills what most like what most like mid-season or like third to last fourth to last episodes of um of a season of modern television right yeah. so like this is where you get this is where they start to throw the wrenches in before we get to the before we get to the finale like i completely forgot that there was a like uh a domestic violence subplot with teresa and 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 that sucks because it's like oh that's like you know, it's 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 a terrible, terrible travesty, a terrible tragedy, I should say, any sort of domestic violence situation. But like to see it, to see it happen, I'm like, oh, no, I forgot. As I was remembering, I'm like, oh, that's right. But like this, this particular plot point does what I loathe in most uh, in, in a lot of television, which is you it's dropping something in that like is 
there's no hints of it previously of no, a character that we've already been introduced to. No, not at all. Like, and I'm not saying that like I I have had friends and loved ones and family members who were in a very bad domestic violence relationship that when you would see them in any other circumstance, they were, you would never guess it, right? That they, yeah. they were great at putting on the mask. And I get that. That's, I'll give it to them. Yes, that's a little hint of real life. This genuinely feels like, fuck, we already ended the Oliver story. We still have mm-hmm. three more episodes to go. So we need... We need someone to get us to the finale. So I guess Eddie, who has shown nothing but love and respect towards Teresa, is now we're just going to build him into because it. I, I mean, again, where we're at right now, I feel like there's no way Eddie isn't the main focal point of the final episode of this season. Like it feels like for whatever reason, they're just not letting this story end. And like, they're certainly not just going to introduce a brand new story at the start of the season finale just to do for that one hour. So like, it feels like that's where the track is heading. That's where things are going. And it just feels so fucking dumb and worthless. (laughs) Like it's all like all unnecessary Mm-hmm. Oliver should have been the season finale. Like the like plain and simple. It's placement as like a mid-season thing is pretty great because like Oliver gets you Oliver gets you to a Oliver gets you to the point where Ryan and Teresa fuck, right? Yes. Like it's because of the doubt and all of that stuff. So it's like, okay, get it. Understand it. Totally understand that. But like the Teresa fucking of it all and and all of that seems like it's that thing that I hate also with writers and and you know I have like when this comes out if the writer strike is still going on I I have a Joe I have an uncomfortable feeling in my tummy that this writer strike and the upcoming uh SAG, SAG strike. strike like I don't think that there is anything new that is going to be filmed in months like i think this is going to go september possibly end of the year uh so for for two reality tv loving mofos like you and i we're about to hit a golden age of television (laughs) but but for the parts of us that love a good written narrative show Mm -hmm. it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough it's gonna be rough waters for a little bit i mean y'all better y'all better get ready so on that note, right, like it's that thing that happens where and it's it's where they're like still writing the second half as the first half is airing of the season. And you can do that at this time because like it's really long, like they're really long seasons. You can still work in that way. But I got to be honest with you. It really feels like, oh, Teresa, then we saw some rating spikes with Teresa. Bring her back. Let's make yeah. her the whole thing. And again, like I can reason it out because like I've been saying all season, um, all year, really, um, on this show, is that Teresa represents the first season of the OC is about still having ties to his previous life. Ryan's still having ties to his previous life and figuring out where he fits in. 
The second season is something completely different. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. But with this season, what is like the biggest anchor for you? Love, right? Like what's continually calling you back to Chino? Um, And not even like physically to Chino, but like temporally, emotionally to Chino is this person who's the first love. And it's also playing into because we've had a pretty like mellow Ryan not really hitting anybody. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, we've had that. Like, here's here's my thought. I don't disagree with anything you're saying. And I'm sure that once I watch the second season, I'll understand. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. A little bit better, but like in my mind, I don't even hate this being the next story beat. I just hate it being the story beat that leads us to the end of season one, right? Like Mm -hmm. if Oliver ended season one and then this storyline is immediately what kicks off season two, I've got really zero complaints. You know what I mean? But it's like what this feels like. Okay, so I'm going to talk about Buffy for a second. Are you familiar? You're familiar with Buffy, right? I mean, or, like, I'm not a fan in the way that, like, I'm a fan of the Gilmore Girls or the OC. But, but like, you've watched it. Yeah, I've, I've watched a couple episodes of Buffy. Okay, you might not catch this reference fully then. So okay. Buffy season six is a very hotly contested season of Buffy. I really like that season. I hated it the first time I watched that season. And then I grew to love it because... Season six, the big bad, you're led to believe for more than half the season is a group called the trio. That is Uh just three nerds that you've known for the entire run of the season as or series as harmless nerds join forces and get evil. And then spoiler alerts for Buffy. Then they kill Willow's girlfriend, Tara, three episodes before the end of that season. And Willow goes full dark magic and fillets these three dudes. And like, then they have to take down Willow, who is this unstoppable, pissed off vengeance demon. And that worked for me. That worked for me that we had this goofy villain that you couldn't take seriously but then at the end they accidentally unleashed a truly dangerous villain as like a bait and switch Mm -hmm. this is if we had dark willow for for three-fourths of the season and then dark willow somehow turned these three pathetic nerds evil and that was supposed to be our satisfying conclusion to the season like like i if you're going to escalate you have to escalate beyond where we already are and like unless unless eddie's gonna roll into town with guns and kill somebody like you're not gonna make me think that eddie is worse than what we saw for seven episodes with oliver like you're just not so it feels like a really limp dick ending (laughs) to this season when you've already had like from what I understand, I'm and we'll see, but like when people talk about the OC, they're like, I fucking hated Oliver. So it feels like they've they'll never hit that same level of a person that is like your who you're all joining together to dislike, right? Sure. Like, which is fine. Like, I don't know. Like, I 
it's also hard to compare this to Buffy, where it's a show about fighting supernatural creatures, so you need a big bad more than you do, say, a dramedy soap opera. Like, Gilmore Girls didn't need a big bad every season. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. But, like, it's just, I don't know. I, I feel like you've, the Oliver stuff cranked everything so high. <laughs> and I understand why everyone kind of talks about the OC, like it peaked and then just like kind of slow trajectory downhill because I feel like, as we've said, there was four seasons in this season. Like Mm -hmm. they just threw so much into these 27 episodes that like, where, where could they possibly go to head upward after Mm -hmm. that point? So I don't know. It's, it's all very interesting. I am, I am baffled. uh, Well, I'm charmed, I guess that we're almost 13 minutes into our discussion and we haven't even really talked about anything that happens in this episode. Um, we're just talking hypothetically, uh, like like in vagalities. Um, but I think that that says a lot about this. Ep- like, none of my notes have anything to do with anything. Like- we need to just end this episode and go straight to the next one because, like... <laughs> the next episode is way more entertaining in every... And you know what? The stakes could not be lower in the next episode for like 90% of the runtime, but at least like remembered that we want to be entertained by what we're watching. So it was like fun and it had like good moments. And trust me, it's not a perfect episode. I have some serious trope complaints on my end for the next, next week's episode, but like a few of the things I wrote down, we'll we'll knock out the things I wrote down beginning of the episode, Seth Cohen. are, Are you familiar with a song called I'm my own grandpa? Yeah. Hey, I am my own grandpa's it. <laughs> yeah, Seth, Seth definitely my own grandpa's it a little bit, trying to break the logic of Julie Cooper marrying Caleb and like what that does to their entire family tree. What fucks up that family tree even more, I think, is on top of that, Marissa's dad is dating Haley now. So it's like, mm-hmm. she, like Marissa's like getting integrated into the Cohen family from two different angles and. <laughs> at this rate yeah. Yeah. but uh there's that there's a scene that i wrote down as a wedding dj there's a scene where julie cooper comes up to kirsten and is basically like i need you to throw me a, a bridal shower and she's rattling off all of the problems that she's been having planning this wedding and mm-hmm. one of them is that she's like the wedding dj is informing me that Bob Seeger is no longer in. And I was like, what self-respecting wedding DJ has the audacity to judge their client's music to their face? Like, <laughs> like, what are you even doing? Who gets married to hear the trendy songs that are new right then and there? Like when you get married as a person who has DJed so many weddings, they will hand you a list of the songs that they want to hear on their special day. And you just figure it out from there. I've done weddings where it is the most bipolar dance floor because I'm playing the songs that will fill a dance floor. I'm playing Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. I'm playing September. I'm playing a bunch of Motown. But the bride keeps coming up to be like, can you play Maps by the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs? And she's the bride, so I have to kind of do what she says. But then the dance floor disperses immediately because you know what song you can't Uh. dance to grandma with? Maps, Maps by the yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. <laughs> like 
So, what is that like? It's like, don't stop till you get enough. Wait, they don't love you like I love you. <laughs> like it's, you can it act, was, in the magic of the internet, I, I am manifesting that someone out there who is listening to this will make a don't stop till you get enough maps <laughs> uh, mashup. Now you've got me trying to remember what this album was called. There was a there was a mashup CD that I downloaded. It was a mashup EP. So I never loved mashups as mm-hmm. much as I've loved um, stuff like Girl Talk and Super Mash Brothers, right? Like, sure. you know what I mean? And and for those of you who don't know the difference, like Super Mash Brothers, we're talking about they are blending a ton of like different uh, songs all on top of each other. And it's just like complete chaos. All right. So it looks like it was called Cham- Chamberlain, but they did like there was a semi charm life called me maybe mashup. But what did they do for maps? It was Taylor Swift love story and maps by the yeah, yeah, yeahs mashed up on this. EP. Oh, that would be good. That would be good. Actually, if you're a wedding DJ, don't don't tell people that their shit is bad. Like that's. See, but they're paying like that's something that like a overpriced uh, wedding DJ. And that's also the other thing. It's probably not a wedding DJ. It's probably like an actual like club. That's true. You probably hired some club DJ. Joe, I you know what? I lied. There is one great thing that comes out of this episode. Uh, Please tell me that this isn't the only time I get to meet Aunt Cindy because (laughs) I could be all on board for this crazy lady. I'm pretty sure this is the only time you get to see Aunt Cindy. Oh no! Yeah. Um. That that also. Aunt Cindy's telling a bunch of crazy stories to mm-hmm. everybody, and this is where I'm also very charmed that Ryan at what considers Def Leppard heavy metal music. Yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. She's like Julie Cooper was really into Def Leppard, and he's like, I can't believe your mom was into heavy metal. Like I. Hair metal is even generous for what Def Leppard yeah. was <laughs> like. Just so so out of touch, Ryan Atwood. What are you, the DJ for this wedding? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the last thing I wrote was just this. Oh, you know what? There are two things we need to talk about. First of all, all the Teresa stuff comes mm-hmm. back to this point. Ryan is too goddamn dramatic in this episode, and I am so yep. over him throughout it. Like, yeah, like you're you, Ryan Atwood, are gonna sit here and fucking act like you don't understand the concept of a lawyer and a client uh, confidentiality thing. Like, you, okay, you okay, say that, <laughs> like, like, just so. So over the top, so brooding, like way too goddamn much. I totally also on the flip side understand like a 16, 15, 17 year old girl watching this, just dreaming Mm -hmm. that a hot, sexy man from Chino would be that protective of them. Like, I get it. I get the -hmm. the fantasy that it that it fulfills, but was so fucking over that. And we have to talk about how shitty Seth Cohen is at being and making a first impression with Summer's dad. I was watching that scene happen and wanted to just grab him through the TV and be like, 
if you're trying to make comics sound smart, reference anyone but comic book writers. Like, like, yeah, like it's so easy to just be like, oh, but like a comic book like Mouse brings like the traditional comic book style with like the writings of the move of books like Night. You and I understand this, right? We mm-hmm. have to justify shit that we like to people who don't understand our things. And the best way to justify it is to not continue to make references tied directly to that thing that people already don't understand. Yeah. Like, like it'd be like me trying to explain why they should like love is blind by explaining why they should also like Jersey shore and, and like drag race. Like, yes, obviously if they don't like love is blind, they probably don't like any reality television. So I have to pull in like other reference points for them same thing with trying to explain wrestling i can't explain why wrestling is great by using all wrestling analogies but be like hey it gives you the same emotional good versus evil type vibes that you get out of a classic game of thrones story where the characters are layered and they can constantly change their alliance over time and you build uh, a love for their characters and love seeing them go from a villain to a good guy and feeling Mm -hmm. that redemptiveness by the end of it like there are you can do people can do it Seth, what the fuck are you doing at this dinner? (laughs) Also, like, Summer's dad is, like, the perfect poker face. Yeah. Like, we really, he's a sphinx. We don't really know what the fuck he's saying. (laughs) We don't, we don't really know what he actually thinks. It's all, um, and this was probably, this was, you know, hindsight's pretty brilliant on the writer's part of making it be like, he never explicitly says, I don't like that boy, or he never says anything. It's all about Summer's perception of it. Yeah. Like she, cause she doesn't, you know, she doesn't even have, he doesn't even have the chance to ask her because she's not telling him anything about what um, her dad is like or her dad thinks. She seems to not know anything about her dad. You know what I mean? Like, well, I mean that that's interesting because like it, they are actually very close. Um, yeah, she's not close at all to the, her the step monster, as as she says. But oh well, yeah. But like, it just it, it is really interesting because he's like, please give me like literally anything to work with, and she's like, well, he loves me. Like it's like mm-hmm. it's like yeah, that's not giving us anything. Like it gives us absolutely nothing. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. This episode was ridiculous, Joe. I'm not sure about you, but I'm ready to to just steamroll right into the music and pop culture so we can talk about next week's episode. Please, can you? Can yeah, we? Okay. So not a lot of songs in this episode, which will not be the case next week, actually. But uh, this week we get Met a Girl Like You Once by Zach Hexum, uh, which mm-hmm. plays when Ryan and Marissa are talking. Keep It Clean by Camera Obscura, which plays when Seth's in his bedroom. Um, right Now by The Mokin Workers, which plays during the bridal shower. And then the closing song is Nine Lives by South. Uh, Joe, I'm curious where you went with this, because 
I really didn't have any strong opinion on any of these songs. No, forgettable music, forgettable episode. Um, <laughs> forgettable for the fact that like they drop all these bombs in the middle of it, right? Like it's yeah. the entire the entire episode is exposition, which like thank God we have modern storytelling where they're like, we only got ten episodes, we got to get through the shit, dude. Twenty. I was thinking about this like twenty seven episodes in a first season is like the longest shit I've ever heard in my entire like I'm trying to think of any other show that I've watched that has a 27 first episode run it's it's insane it's insane all right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I did write down something though did I the song at the bridal shower has like kind of a cool jazz loop like hip-hop vibe to it so I just went with that (laughs) This is like the most like lukewarm signing off on what the song of the episode was that I've ever had. The the song that Marissa and Ryan have at the end, is that also the same as the song? That's the same song that's playing when it's uh, Seth and Ryan right before that, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my that was my song of the episode. There you go. Uh, all right, Again, let's get because in. it just fit tonally. Now, 100%. All right, let's 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 talk some pop culture and send this bad boy home. Joe, what is some pop culture that you've been s- snacking down on that you want to talk about? Oh, Matt. I, I So two years ago, I, uh, f- I watched for the first time the Eurovision song contest grand final um and i did it this year um i was house sitting for our friend joshua um i was so i was at his place and um i had a couple friends over we just drank mimosas and had snacks all day as we watched the um the ultimate spectacle of european pop and it was fantastic I that's like one of those things. It's like that the Met Gala, the Tonys. They're always things that mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm going to watch those this year. And then I just forget that they're happening until I'm seeing the reactions to everything online. And then I'm like, fuck, I missed it again. <laughs> so like I got to I got to find a I got to be around a better group of friends to be like, hey, man, don't forget it's Met Gala night or like, hey, man, don't forget it's Eurovision weekend or whatever. So. So, Joe, I'm going to assign that to you. Remind me the when it's leading Eurovision? up to Eurovision time, because I do want to experience that for myself one of these days. Like, here, Matt, here's the thing. Eurovision is like the, the song, my favorite songs of Eurovision. Obviously, I'm always going for ones that are bangers. Um, so uh, Austria, which their song is called Who the Hell is Edgar? which is about um, a it's, it's two it's a group of it's a pair of two women um, and they're singing about how one of the women is uh, possessed by the ghost of Edgar Allan Poe. I know this one. Yeah, of course you do. Um, I'm sure it's made it through horror circles, uh, but yes, I think you've you told me about this one. Did before. I tell you about horror? I, <laughs> the, I, I probably posted about it because I was like, this is amazing. Um, there is a group, um, there was a song from Germany called Blood and Glitter, um, which the commentator when I was the, of the stream that I was watching was just thinking that it was a a whole song about microplastics. 
I don't know if that's true. Um, I think that's probably just their opinion, but I mean, Eurovision's great because uh, it could be- definitely be about that. Yeah, it was it was a good show. I checked out a film that truly did uh, change the change the horror landscape for a little bit. I don't know if for better or for worse. Uh, now we're getting a sequel of it, a sequel that I don't think we need, and that of course is M three Gen, uh, also <laughs> known as Megan. Um, you hadn't watched I, it yet. I, I, it took me a while to get there, but I don't know how I feel about this movie, Joe. <laughs> it's, it's got its moments, but you know, Matt, but for it to be the cultural, like it was legitimately a culturally significant film, and I, I, I can't place my finger on this at all, Joe. You know, Matt, uh, I can categorically say that uh, this is probably not for you. <laughs> It's for the gays. Yeah, I mean, look, my so that you've I I am assuming that you have almost definitely seen uh Megan, right? I saw Megan in the theaters. I I just haven't watched the Megan unrated version that's on Peacock right well, now. Well, okay, so I only watched uh the Peacock version. And I don't know if they cut this from the theatric version, but there's a point where a boy steals Megan uh, mm-hmm. in the woods yeah and, and then, then i like, just goes like you know yeah like military robot dog on him right but i just was i don't know how to describe it but what he starts to do to this doll i'm like am i able to watch a teenage boy try to have sex with a doll in the middle of the woods because oh no <laughs> because that was the vibe of, like he's like slowly taking off the stockings and shit and i'm like what is happening yeah. <laughs> like um, I, I mean, it was fun. The Peacock version is really fucking gory, which is cool. Um, but I just I don't need Megan too. like, I mean, I'll watch Megan too. I'm certainly not going to not watch Megan. too. But yeah, I, I feel like I think you're right. This one's just not I'm not the audience for this bad boy. Yeah, it was camp. It was it was delicious. Um, yeah. I, I I'm curious to see now now that they are aware of it how they're gonna make changes and what they're gonna do for part two. Yeah. Um. I'm it it pretty much sets itself up so I you know I'd be shocked if they're going back to one. But again, who knows when we're gonna fucking get it because we're still on strike. Yeah. And again, like we said, might be a while. Joe, I'll tell you this much, and I've said this a couple times already, and I'm gonna continue to say it. I watched the newest episode of How I Met Your Father, and that already feels like it's written by AI. So I'm telling you that if you don't see the dangers in what AI writing could do to television, just watch a couple episodes of How I Met Your Father, where you get such great jokes as, I met him at Lollapalooza, hold for applause, he lolled my palooza, and I almost blinded myself with an eye roll, Joe. This is... is (laughs) Ugh. The word it legitimately might be the worst television show. I just want to see the kind of backlash you get. Can you put that on Twitter, please? Can you put what you just <laughs> said on Twitter? That's what I want. You're you're an you're a how I met your father AI truther. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's that's I look, if I'm gonna be a truther of anything, I guess that's not the worst one. 
Um, we will be back next week with a far better episode of the OC and a hell of a lot more white people problems. <laughs> listening to the Geekscape Network.